Today's episode is brought to you by our college basketball podcast, Teed Up. As March Madness quickly approaches, make sure to catch Mark Titus and Tate Frazier on the Ringer University podcast. You can subscribe to Ringer University by going to iTunes.com slash The Ringer or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at The Ringer. And sitting awkwardly on a couch with me in Indianapolis is Danny Kelly. Danny, how are you? I was wondering if we were going to mention that. We're both kind of just chilling out in the hotel room right now uh, in Indianapolis. And yeah, it's great. I'm doing great. So this is your first day here. And before we before we started the show, we were doing some pre-production conversations. Yeah, and you formal. mentioned to me that you were kind of shocked by how different the combine is this year. Yeah. And, and I don't... The reason that we're here is to buy, provide people with some insight about what this is actually like. So what did you mean by that? So the last two or three years that I've come here, they've, they, held, they, held, they hold everything in Lucas Oil Stadium. Like, yes, typically. It's in like the, I don't even know what you call it, like the it's front club area. level. Yeah, yeah, of the stadium, you know. Um, so that's where everyone goes. Now it's in the convention center. So it's in a different location, which is just, it's fine. It's just different. Um, but they changed the format too. So now instead of like last year, they would cycle players through three or four at a time. You have a lot of time to talk to each guy. Um, you don't miss many players. Like if you want to get a list of like 30 or 40 players in a day, you You can can talk to all of them. Yeah, you can do that. Um, so this year what they did was they would send out, I don't even know, like, eight or nine guys at the same time and they'd all talk at the exact same time. So they don't stagger anything. So it's just like 10 different. minutes. Yeah. Like, and then done. And there's like way more podiums for each guy to talk. Um, it's just a different vibe this year. And you know, it's not necessarily bad because it's the, the energy was up. I feel like a little bit this year, just because it's in the convention center, they're doing it right next to um, the NFL experience for all the fans. And then they're also doing it next to, I think the bench press was going on right next to us. You yeah, could hear people can like yelling at yeah. each other. Um, so it, it's kind of cool in that sense. But uh, I think the the player availability factor, it's down. I mean, it's just not quite the same. It is. And the player availability often isn't interesting, especially when right. you talk about the guys at the podium. I always enjoy talking to some of the smaller school guys, whatever. Yeah. You just kind of hang around. You hear some interesting stuff about them, people that have read up on them. That is where they're a little looser because you're actually sitting down and having – it's not a real conversation, but it's closer <laughs> to one. Right. And now that is just totally stripped out is my understanding. So right. congratulations, there's, there's National Football League. <laughs> you made the combine even more uninteresting for those attending it. Yeah. And I missed, it's funny because I missed half the day with all the GMs and coaches too. So like, yeah, now I'm like, okay, well, what are we going to do tomorrow? But, um, there's still, tomorrow there's still... I was going to sit and wait for Marvin Lewis. <laughs> the one He's guy. The one guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it's still great. I mean, there, there's so much to do. There's, you know, it's fun to talk to everybody, see everybody, um, you know, get insights from different people that you don't like see in person every day. And so it, that's definitely a lot of fun. A couple guys that, you know, this was an interesting crew today. I feel like even maybe more so than yesterday, you know, Shanahan talked yesterday, which I, I wanted to see stuff like that. But today you had McVeigh. Yep. who kind of this good. is the first time he's done anything like this yeah. I mean I'm sure he's talked to the local media when he got hired but that the local Rams media is kind of in flux period just because it's right. a, kind of a new thing it's new not city. as assembled as it would be otherwise you know it's not like getting hired by the Jets so th- right. today I mean he's sitting there in front of 30 40 reporters and giving a press conference where he's getting questions like this for the first time and I thought he looked a little bit like you could tell it was his first time yeah. early and then he settled in by the end 
He was, I would say he was someone, I think uh, the GM said he's like a ball of energy or whatever. You he could is. tell he yeah, was he's... like, you know, <laughs> it's like uh, he'd done a line or something beforehand. I, I know that he, <laughs> I know that he hadn't, but uh, well, probably anyway, but he, he definitely was like amped up, ready to go. Um, I thought it was interesting. I, I want to go back and read the transcripts. I watched the, the interview, but I want to go back because he talked a lot of X's and O's for like, you know, like nowadays, most coaches, it's just like super sure. vague general stuff. That what kind of stuff did he say that you thought was interesting? Oh, he was, he was just talking about like using the different offensive weapons. Um, I think he was talking about, you know, just different protections and things like that. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember thinking, okay, this is kind of interesting. Actually, sure. he's like saying, you know, he's, he's talking some X's and O's and, so I don't I, I don't have a great anecdote off the top of my head, but it was definitely some interesting stuff. I thought uh, I thought that Adam Gase did that a little bit too. Um, peel back, peel back the curtain a little bit to kind of like play calling. You talked about how he and Tannehill kind of have a collaborative process where you know Tannehill's allowed to give his input and, and goes back and forth. He was talking about trying to get Jordan Cameron integrated into their offense, and he was saying like, "Oh yeah, I had to go back and watch Cleveland tape." so many times because i was trying to figure out how they got him 80 catches that year you know and so that was that's really... actually really interesting <laughs> so yeah. it's like he's essentially saying well my shit's not working so like what are we gonna <laughs> do you know what i mean and, I, and it's probably more a reflection of you know the, i guess cameron was kind Usage. of a yeah i mean yeah. they have so many weapons in washington or in miami another thing he said that i thought was funny they were asking him about kenny stills and he goes do you feel good that he's going to be back? And he goes, sometimes I do. Sometimes I feel like crap about it. He goes, I hate free agency. He was, Which, yeah. It makes sense that a coach would. Yeah. He's like, I have this guy. Now I just don't have this guy. Like, it's a good thing overall. Right. But it is funny that he just came. I was like, I hate this. I felt like he was probably the most honest. It sure. felt like he was being the most honest. Um, and so that was refreshing. Play calling is an interesting topic. I think a lot of people are just inherently, a lot of people inherently want to know more about that. Yeah. It just, it drives interest just because it's such a bizarre kind of intricate process. It's like chess. I mean, it's strategy. I don't know a lot about it. Yeah. And somebody was asking Shanahan yesterday, you know, did you ever consider not? And did you talk to people about why you wouldn't? And he said that I didn't consider not doing it because I feel like, you should be the person they hired you to be. Right. And the person that's that exactly they hired, hired is, I am I am a play caller. That is what I do. Right. So I get that. And I don't, we've seen that work. You know, Sean Payton does a fine job, but Sean Payton coaches the offense and we've seen how the defense yeah. goes. Yeah. And McVay, he essentially said today, I mean, more or less admitted, I'm not going to do anything with the defense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hired Wade Phillips for a reason. <laughs> that's his purview. He yeah. can do that. And that's a part of the reason they like him is because Phillips is, there's no, like, you don't have to wonder if he's going to be good. Yep. Like Phillips, his reputation precedes him. And so he's he's essentially turning over that whole side of the ball to, to Phillips. And so that'll be really interesting. It's kind of curious with San Francisco, they're on the opposite end. You know, I know we talk about how McVay is 31. Chan is 38. And they hired right. 70-something Wade Phillips. The guy that San Francisco hired to be their defensive coordinator, Robert Salah is 38. Right. And he's never done it before. Yeah. So they're kind of going in opposite direction. There's just all hopeful, youthful energy, you know, new guys, let's really attack this. And the Rams just kind of said, we want to make sure this one side is locked down 100%. Yeah. The, yeah. And that the 49ers are another really, really interesting thing. And sure. that's one of the things that I talked about in my recap, which will be going up at the ringer tonight, which is Thursday night. Um, 
I find it the the whole Lynch hiring to me is so fascinating. Totally, because you know he's coming to the he's coming into the the GM the the managerial part of the game without any without any experience as a scout without any experience as a manager. You know he he was a player, which is huge in terms of evaluation. I think like he understands position, um, but you know it was kind of just like we don't have any clue what he's going to be like, but. When I was taught, when I was thinking about it today, um, you know, John Schneider talked about yesterday how he would pick John Lynch's mind about evaluating safeties over the last couple of years, which sure. I found really fascinating. And then when you think about it, when they're switching to the Seahawks defense, they just got a really good safety evaluator in theory. That's to, a really and good that's point. like really important for the yeah. San Francisco defense. That's the linchpin of their defense. No pun intended. <laughs> so I mean, like if they if if he can hit, like obviously he has to hit on a quarterback. Sure. Almost any front office does. But if Lynch can hit on that safety, that free safety spot, which is so so important in the the you know the Seahawks style defense with a one high safety in the in the center field, I mean that could be huge for them. So that's potentially one really big advantage that Lynch brings. Yeah, it's a marriage of scheme and an understanding of scheme and talent that I didn't even think about previously. Right. The fact that that's what they're doing. They have a defense that you need those guys. The fact that he's talked to Schneider about it. Yeah, that that's that's really fascinating. We'll <laughs> see if it actually matters. Right. You know, there's Who no knows? guarantee that a guy that played the position necessarily knows more about it than an actual evaluator would. But right. it's not as if the Seahawks have done poorly in drafting safeties in the last five years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And so I asked Lynch about that. So he kind of, he didn't really answer my question because I asked him what's so difficult about evaluating safeties. Cause that's what Schneider said. And obviously Schneider's drafted Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. So he knows a little bit about sure. it. Um, but he didn't really say much about that, but he did sort of just allude to the idea that he knows what goes into position. He knows, like he was giving Schneider notes on like what he thinks about when he's playing that position. He played quarterback in college, so he kind of understands the opposite, like his counterpart, you know, on the other side of the ball. So I don't know. It's just fascinating to me. Obviously, Lynch knows the safety position and you know, if he could hit on that spot, that that could really pay huge dividends for them. Obviously, they have to do the quarterback too, but and also there's a ton of safeties available in free agency. You can go out and get a guy like a Duran Harmon, or a, if you want a bigger guy like a Cyprian, or and it's a, a good dude like Tony Jefferson. There's a they and they have all the money to spend. Yeah, all the monies, and apparently this is like one of the best safety classes in years. Sure, you know I don't know the how deep it is, but like at the top there's some really really apparently good those guys. Two guys, Hooker and then. Uh, and Adams, yeah. Adams, that's right. So, I don't know. The guy from Washington, too. Ironically Buda enough. Baker, yeah. 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 And yeah. he's kind of like Tyron Matthew style, like a little bit smaller guy, but, but you know, just an instinctive playmaker. So, I don't know. It's going to be – I'm really excited to kind of see what Lynch does. I mean, right now we just have no clue. And, and totally. maybe he'll turn over – There's no way we could. Maybe he'll turn over a lot of the quarterback evaluation to Shanahan because Shanahan kind of just knows he what should. he's doing. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely should turn that evaluation over. And I think that – you know, that, that position in that spot is going to be a huge part of what goes into this draft overall. I mean, and today we started hearing the quarterbacks come up for the first time, really, yeah. by name, because they were getting measured, all that kind of stuff. So Lynch was asked about Trubisky. I was there. He was asked about Kaiser. So now we're getting into, do you like this guy? I mean, they're not going to answer <laughs> it, but like right. now the conversation has begun. And it kind of happened twofold today. You had Lynch get give that kind of lightning rod quote about how Kaiser blew the doors off his interview. Mm -hmm. And then there was a report from Mary Kay Cabot at the Cleveland Plain Dealer that said that the Browns were interested in Trubisky. And yep. then you listened to Hugh Jackson talk today. 
there's a chance that none of this matters and it's all <laughs> bullshit, but this is what's starting now. The right. ball will get rolling here as we hear these guys' names for the first time and as these teams are starting to dig into who they want and why they want them. Yeah. So the thing that kind of struck me about Hugh Jackson, and he was the first guy to talk this morning, um, he mentioned, I think it was three separate times, twice in his podium interview and then again when we were doing like the little, he, he like meets and forms. Gaggle. Yeah, whatever it is, where everyone stands around in a circle and, and, and doesn't let him leave. Um, he talked about how, you know, he really, really believes strongly that you build a foundation and a support group around a quarterback before he was essentially saying, like, I'm not going to just throw a quarterback in and expect him to do well. Like, I want to build a, a team around a quarterback. Essentially, it's the same deal what we talked about with kind of like Dak Prescott. Like, he came in with, like, an amazing sport group, and that was part of what was allowed him to be so good this year. Um, and we saw what Andy Dalton was able to do in, in Jackson's offense when he had – you know the perfect group of players right the best pass protecting offensive line in yes. the nfl AJ one of, green and <laughs> AJ marvin, green, marvin tyler jones was their number three receiver <laughs> yeah tyler eifert they yeah. had two good running backs they had a really good running game like it was like that's how he got this job in the first place like to me this to me what he's saying is like i, I this could be a total smoke screen but like i'm more interested in building a team around like that that can we can finally add a quarterback into the equation when it's ready but right now they're still like you know two years away from that or whatever and this is this is a weird quarterback class in the first place like a lot of guys have great potential but there's no surefire guy right now if you think that mitch trubisky is your dude and you love him then you take him number one right and that's fine I'm, i'm cool with that I don't know if he's the guy. Um, that's not what I do. I'm not a quarterback evaluator. Yeah. And a lot of the people who are paid to be quarterback evaluators aren't either. So I don't mind saying that. Yeah. But what happened yesterday is that a Browns writer, kind of a veteran Browns writer whose name I don't know actually, asked Sashi Browns, would you be comfortable rolling with the three quarterbacks on your roster into next season? And that's it. And Sashi's like, yes. Mm-hmm. And the guy, his response was just amazing. He's like, why? <laughs> why would you say that? Like, why would you think that's okay? Yeah. And they are just not in a hurry. Yep. So if the one problem I would have with, and I understand Hugh Jackson's thinking about that, and I don't disagree with it, but I feel like if you, maybe next year you win five games by chance and you're the fourth pick and you don't have the catbird seat anymore and it's not up to you to choose the guy you want. If you think he's the guy you want, take him at one. If you think he's okay, but we need a quarterback, that's where the bullshit sets it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, for all I know, all of this is you know just smokescreen upon smokescreen. There's screen. no way. I listened to Les Snead talk about Case Keenum last year at the combine. I will <laughs> yeah. never forget it for the rest of my life. Yeah, and I mean, no, no team is going to tell us exactly what they're going to do. Of course but, not. But my take was like maybe what Hugh Jackson is doing is like laying the groundwork for like this is why we're not doing. This is why you're not going to see us. Like when we don't draft a quarterback, like don't be that surprised. Exactly. You know and I think mean? that's what you have to do. You kind of have to lay that groundwork, make sure that there's a soft landing spot for your fan base <laughs> right, when right. you don't come away from with a quarterback from this draft and you have to say, we have to wait another year. For the second straight year when they've had like, a, you know, they had the number two pick last year. And, and they, they could have taken Carson Wentz. And now they have the number one pick. And I think, you know, t- fans are going to be clamoring for a quarterback. But I think his philosophy, this is just me like guessing based on what he said, but. Uh, that that was pretty interesting to me. You make that Wentz trade seven days a week and twice on Sunday. 
if, if you're the Browns. Right. You you do it every single time. It doesn't matter what happens. Mm-hmm. That's not how you should make decisions. <laughs> the pre, it's a process over results business. And Carson Wentz isn't even that good, man. It's like he's fine. He could be a good quarterback. Oh, Philly's going to be on you for this one. He you do that every time. Yeah. And and they are. That's what they're thinking is we're going to go about this the way we're going to go about it. We're not going to overspend. We're not going to do this. And that's not a bad way to do things. Eventually, the draft picks have to become real players. Right. Like, it's as simple as it gets. If they don't, none of this matters. But the way you go about it and having kind of a staunch commitment to your idea of how you build a team is not a bad thing. I feel like when you get outside of who you want to be is when you screw up. Yeah. It, it, it's. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about quarterbacks. But it, it, there's just two. There's several different philosophies about how you build a team. I feel like I'm beginning to be on the train where instead of take, taking a quarterback and building around him, you do the opposite. I, I'm starting to just feel like that's the better way to do it. But that requires an entire roster built, entirely <laughs> built roster. Right. Like yes, that's I mean that's hard too. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. It's right. Like, well, you can say whether you're for the Cowboys, we'll just build the best offensive we'll just, line. We'll just pick the all pro offensive linemen every year. Yes. Easy. And, and, you could, and even if you picked offensive linemen every year, it's no guarantee they'd become all pro offensive <laughs> no, linemen. I know that, yeah. Like that's the problem. Yeah. yeah, I tend to agree with you. And that's, I think, what the ramp, what the, car, the Browns are doing. There are two downsides to me with that philosophy. The first is it takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. and a lot of organizations aren't given time. Right. It seems like the Browns in this iteration, at least what people are saying now, they're going to be given that. They're not in a hurry. Yeah. So that's the first thing out the window. The second is it's hard to find good players. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. really it. Yeah. So, I mean, you can draft Des Bryant, Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, and Zach Martin in the first round. But if those guys don't end up being good, then none of that matters. Totally. So the other yeah. thing that I want to talk about before we get out of here, piece of news that came out today that I thought was kind of interesting. ESPN, I believe it was Chris Mortensen, reported that Brandon Cooks was available via trade and there oh, were teams yeah. looking into him. I think this is worth talking about for a few different reasons. One, he's a big name. He's a former first-round pick. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. Yeah, he's not a guy numbers. being shipped off for nothing. Right. So another reason that I think that it's worth talking about aside from that is that I feel like we're going to see this, especially as the free agency world gets a little bit out of control. So if you're Tennessee, right, you have $60 million in cap space, you're in the top five, you got a ton of money to work with, wide receiver is a definite need. Yeah. So you're looking at those names, Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Terrell Pryor, whatever. So you are probably in play for those guys, theoretically. And if you're going to trade for Brandon Cooks, you are in play for those guys because that's your mindset. But I'm sure John Robinson's sitting there thinking, all right, we have 18. Why would I give Alshon Jeffrey $15 million a year or Deshaun Jackson 12? Because I think every number we're seeing reported is small based on how much money is available and how many guys got franchised. (laughs) Why would I do that when I can give up a first-round pick, which, yes, is five years of cost control, or even if it's a second-round pick, whatever, a draft pick for a guy that I have under cost control for two years Mm -hmm. at a small Salary next year and his fifth year option, which is not going to be that high the year after. Yeah, was he, he was a first rounder, right? Yes. yes okay. So you, that you automatically have that when you're giving a guy a free agent deal, you're pretty much giving him a two year deal anyway. It's just going to be for twice as much money. Right. So I like that. I like that line of thinking. I think it's a creative way to not get into this bidding war kind of let's see who can up outbid everybody else for these guys that maybe aren't as attractive as a younger player on a better deal. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, that's intriguing. And it's always really fun to kind of 
figure out who we could put on the Titans offense. Just sure, because, exactly. <laughs> you know I'm, I mean? not, I'm not upset with Brandon Cooks. I don't think he's a superstar, but I think that he gives yeah. them another element, and he does it for much cheaper than Deshaun Jackson would. And he's – what's Brandon Cooks? 25? Yeah, he came into league something young. like that. Yeah. I bet he might be 24, actually. Yeah, and he's the he's the take the top off an offense kind of, or a defense kind of guy, and I mean that would just be a fascinating. Brandon Cooks is twenty three years old. Twenty three. Yes. Wow. Hey, I mean it. It depends on how like important you view that club control. I suppose obviously, you know, um, the Seahawks have done trades for with their first round pick, and they yep. like essentially say this is what we're picking with our first round pick because we didn't see you know, someone at that spot. Like, they basically grade the free agents against the the draft picks and say, hey, this guy's better. This, like, Cooks is better than any of the, the receivers in this class. So we'll just use our first-round pick on Cooks. That's a way to think about it, but I think that's the wrong way to think about it in this way. You get five years of that first guy. Mm-hmm. And I asked Sashi Brown about this yesterday when we were talking about how much that cost control should play into value. And he was talking about Jamie Collins. He said, Jamie Collins is not a third-round talent. Right. But because you know you have to give Jamie Collins a contract, that's the type of Diminishes pick. his, yeah. So Brandon Cooks, is Brandon Cooks a first-round pick? He just was. And I think if Brandon Cooks was in this draft, like this version of him, yes, he'd go in the first round. But that you can't think of it that way. Right. Because the guy you could get, even though it's more of an unknown, you're going to get five years of him. Totally. And if you're the Titans and you have all this money, maybe you don't think about that. But then suddenly... You, the Mariota contract comes up like it's not you shouldn't <laughs> do that in the moment because it all comes due eventually yeah man that would be really yeah he would be a really fascinating addition to that offense um I mean we talked about Deshaun Jackson you know kind of being that guy and and their similar style in terms of like they're gonna have probably you know really really Those high three yards yard touchdowns <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah so I don't know that would be fun do you think do you think that's for real like who knows? I, I guess mean, they're just trying to get rid of too much like cost at their receiver position or something. And I think like he's that. unhappy. He said that he's unhappy oh, with really? his role there. Yes. Oh, okay. So I mean, that's, oh, that's part right. of it. There was kind of some drama. Yeah. So I, I think that's all that. part of it. And it's yeah. just this is the way you, I think that you're going to see more and more teams try to find value because with the way that money is going to be spent, I think there are going to be smart teams that say, "Yeah, we have it, but why? Why use it this way when there's better ways that we can go about this?" And I I like that thinking. I mean. Draft picks are valuable, but they're only valuable in the sense that you need to get players with them. So if you trade one for a player, right. that's what you, that's exactly what you're doing. And you can say you could talk about how you know the lack of club control of two or maybe three years diminishes the value, but you could also say the security and knowing this guy can get off press. We know this guy can catch. No one can we know me. like we know what he is, even though there is some risk inherent in, in free agency just in general, like you know, fit and, and club culture and all that. But like Cooks has proven that he can do the things that's nece- that are necessary at the pro level. Think and about so what's there's value with Garoppolo. there. Garoppolo's ninety snaps. Brandon <laughs> Cooks probably had ninety catches this year. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not you have ten times as much. The sample size, yeah. And the sample size with Garoppolo is still enough where we know more about him than we do about a college quarterback. Yeah. Let alone what we've seen from Brandon Cooks. It's a huge difference. Exactly. And I totally agree. All right, buddy. That's uh, that's all the time we got. I appreciate you doing this. I will I'm be very excited for you to leave my room and not be sitting out on this couch with me anymore. <laughs> all right, I'll do that now then. All right, I'll talk to you later. All Thanks right. guys for listening and uh, we'll be back soon.
Some people still don't get podcasts, what's out there and how to listen. You can help change that with a click. Right now, think of someone you care about. What podcast would they really love? Got it? Now go do it. Hit the share button on the bottom left of your screen. If they don't know how to listen, offer to show them how. Tell us what you shared with the hashtag tripod, T-R-Y pod. Thanks for spreading the word.